Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right. Well, welcome everybody to two things 2019, number one. I hope you had a great new year and welcome back to the program. Welcome back to Demand Gen Radio. If you can't hear it, I'm at the tail end of a cold. I, you know, it was one of those holidays for me started off with uh, my daughter's coming home and my daughter getting a cold, which is really typical. It's almost like a cyclical for her that as soon as she's on break, she gets a cold. And I'm in the kitchen and I'm saying, you know what, honey? I wasn't sick once in 2018, you know, like beating my chest saying, you should be like me. I wash my hands whenever I eat. Uh, when I'm on airplanes, I never eat with my hands, yada, yada, yada. And the next day I get a cold. And even though she had a cold, I'd like to think I got it from her, but who knows? But it took me off the air for a couple of weeks. Uh, so I hope you guys missed the Mansion Radio. And I am very excited to be kicking off the first episode of 2019 with my good friend Mike Burton, who is the co-founder of Bombora. So you guys are in for a treat today. A little bit of a MarTech Monday episode in that we're going to geek out on marketing technology. But uh, first, let me welcome Mike to the program. So Mike, how are you? How was, uh, how was the new year for you? It was great. It was great. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, so an honor, an honor to be on. And the break, break was good. Um, Myself and my girlfriend and our new six-month-old baby, our baby Zoe, made it to the Bahamas. So we had this great kind of journey on on plane, a big plane, a little plane, and a boat uh, to get to Harbor Island where we were. Um, but it was uh, amazing. I wish it was a little bit longer. What was it like taking a six-month-old on vacation? I remember those days long time ago, but I remember those days. <laughs> They, what you know, first baby for me. So what everybody says is that we're in this kind of sweet zone right now where, you know, she's not old enough to be moving around. Um, so things are pretty easy. So we're trying to take advantage of that time. Um, but just recently, over the last couple of weeks, she started crawling quite a bit. So we're, we're learning that, you know, things won't be so easy for forever. Mobility. Yeah, I remember the day that we put up <laughs> all of the... Uh the home safety stuff on all the cabinets and, and all the electric plates and all that. And I remember the day that we took it down, especially after our second daughter, vividly <laughs> because we were like, well, I guess we don't need this stuff anymore, or at least for a while. But I also remember when my daughters were really young, going out for dinner, and you just you almost did some, some prayer to the dinner gods, which was like, okay, hopefully <laughs> she is just going to sit still for the next X number of minutes so we don't have to woof down our food. Right. Or, walk around the restaurant. Remember those days well. It's uh, 20 plus years later. Right. So hopefully your vacation was uh, a lot less dramatic than Randy's uh, up at Uberflip because Randy, if you saw his LinkedIn post, he went out. I on, did. He, he saw that. So for those of you who, who yeah. don't know Randy, he's one of the co-founders at Uberflip and he took his family uh, down to Costa Rica and had a snorkel excursion that turned into full like movie style boat explosion everybody's safe everybody was rescued but quite a dramatic uh quite a dramatic vacation and he and he put a great story out on it as well so yours yours was not as eventful i hope no we we managed to dodge that level of drama which is good and i'm glad glad randy and his family had. yeah shout out to randy glad you're safe did you go to atlantis or were you that part of the bahamas 
we we didn't. We're in a small place called Harbor Island. Um, so it's just a three mile strip, um, very small. So not none of the big resorts or casinos, which was which was okay. All right, so some real downtime. Well, welcome back to the the new year. Tell me before. Um, well, I guess a good place to start is how, as a co-founder, how did Bambora come to be? You know, you and I go way back to the Madison Logic days, um, but I'd love for you to share the story of of you know, the founding of Bambora and some of the evolution, yeah. because um, certainly the company's you know, changed quite a bit over the years. Sure. Yeah, no, it's hopefully a little interesting. Um, we were we were inside of a media company uh, called Madison Logic, which is a business that sells lead generation programs and display advertising. And like any media business, uh, we had access to, to data, uh, specifically behavioral data. So really myself and, and the other co-founders, we were sitting inside of Madison Logic just trying to figure out how to leverage that asset inside the Madison Logic products. So sell a better lead or uh, deliver better ad impressions, that type of thing. And as we moved along, we realized the data was so valuable. Hey, wouldn't it be great if we had a lot more of it? Um, and we kind of followed that thread. We followed that idea and we started building this cooperative of other media companies, uh, big publishers and other other networks that had access to similar data. And then that led pretty quickly, uh, that those constituents told us pretty quickly that, that if we wanted to be the stewards of this data, we needed to be an independent data business. We couldn't be inside of another media company. Um, so that was the big move, I guess, in October of 2014, we spun the business out and, and that vision has remained since then, just to be an independent data-only business. And, you know, you wouldn't have Bumbora if it wasn't for, right, the, the digital era um, where every company, if they want, can know what you are looking for on your own website, let alone what type of content that you're either downloading or consuming on, on other websites, right? The buyer's uh, path to your products and services has changed so dramatically that by going out on, on the web, and doing that searching and all that data. But how did, how did it, I mean, let's talk about what intent data is. I, I still think for a lot of people, this is a new, um, I don't know if it's a new technology, but the use of the intent data is certainly still emerging, as, as you guys know, or everybody would be doing it. But maybe you sure. could just break down how, at a, at a technical level a little bit, I think, how intent data is captured. Yeah on these sites. So, you know, a lot of people know that I'm really into drones uh, and I build and race drones on the weekends. And so when it's nighttime or the weekend, I'll go out on the web and I'll do searching for whether it's YouTube videos or content on the web uh, where I'm reading about the latest products, technologies, flight controllers, frames, all that kind of stuff. And of course, whenever I go to certain sites, they are marketing products and services to me, and since I didn't do any research on those sites, they certainly know about it um, from the activities somewhere else. But love for you to break down how the magic happens, and really specifically, because so much of my audience on Demand Gen Radio are sales and marketing professionals. After we break it down, like how the magic happens, how can they use it and apply it to their sales and marketing efforts? Sure. Yeah. There's. There's. A bunch of different aspects to it um, that that we could dive into. So feel free to, you know, stop me or you know, figure out the the most interesting uh, kind of fertile area. 
Um, but generally, like, as opposed to giving kind of like a pithy definition of like, here's what we think intent data is or, or whatever it is. Like I like lately I've been trying to think of things inside of the real world and reverse engineering yeah. um, the concepts and what, what it's trying to accomplish. So if you follow me through an example, like pretend, you know, I'm a B2B sales and marketing organization um, and say I sell uh, video conferencing solutions. Um, and let's say I sell those video, video conferencing solutions to 10,000 accounts. There's, there's 10,000 accounts that, that are in my addressable market. I guess start by asking the question, what percentage of those 10,000 accounts are, are actually in market, right? So they're actually sitting around their conference room tables saying, hey, in three months from now, we will have installed a video conferencing solution. Uh, we have an RFI. We're talking to vendors. We're doing research, et cetera. Um, and, and every product's going to have a different answer. Um, but, but what would you assume out of the 10,000 accounts, how many are actually technically in market? You want me to make a, a, a guesstimate of my, yeah. uh, I don't know, 15%? Yeah, I'd say there's a broader definition that I'll, I'll get into in a second that I think that's exactly the right answer for, right? My guess is that actually in market, like has has decided to buy a video conferencing system is probably lower. Um, I don't know the right number. Maybe it's between 2 and 5%. And then there's this broader uh, layer of companies that, you know, they're thinking about things like collaboration. They're thinking about how they work better with their remote employees. They're thinking about having better sales presentations, right? So they might not be in market, but they're much, much more likely to engage with a sales and marketing outreach from a video conferencing company. Yeah. So figure that, figure that kind of layer gets you up to that 15%. So you've got a smaller amount in market and you've got this broader layer that that's, you know, let's call them interested or more likely to engage. And really, intent data is just constantly giving customers access to that 15%, right? Just always knowing on an ongoing basis, who are the 15% in my addressable market that are my high percentage shots that are most likely to engage with me today? Um, so, yeah, is that is, helpful? I mean, I think take taking my customers as an example. So, you know, Dimension, we work with primarily all mid-market enterprise class companies, big companies. The times that we work with smaller companies, they're high growth, you know, VC funded or PE funded companies that are just growing very, very quickly. And so many of our customers, you know, almost all of them are B2B. If they are B2C, it's considered purchase. But so many of our customers have an element to uh, a cyclical part of their buying process. So let's take like the payroll um, ecosystem, right? Payroll providers. There's for them the season that we just went through the the Q4 season is often for them their spike season and that is when you know their prospects are considering making a switch even the months leading up to that from the system that they're mm -hmm. using or platform to a new provider um, so they're they're switching to a new provider well wouldn't they want to know when their target market is starting yep. to surge, right? Starting to say, you know, let's go look and evaluate the competitor solutions to the one that we're using. And what you're yep. saying is, you know, that's showing that intent, revealing that intent. But how is it done, Mike? You know, I don't think people really understand sure. the magic. So let's say we, we have, you know, yeah. Acme Corporation, and they're out searching the web. How do you 
because they're not coming to your site. They're not coming to Bombora. They're not coming to Prospect site. So how do they know that this surging of this interest is is happening? Sure. How do you capture that? Yeah, I think there's there's two parts of it. There's technically how we collect the information. I'll get into that in a second. But first is where we started around the cooperative and, and having access to all of the research portals and publishers and, and the what we call the B2B research web. Right. So first, we, at least in the Bombora context, we had to go out and, and strike BD partnerships with all of the biggest B2B research media businesses in the world. So start there. Like we, we actually have access to their websites and we're able to, to listen uh, to companies consuming research across those uh, research portals. Yep. Um, and then technically what we're doing in real time is we're, we're seeing a user land on a page. Um, the first thing we want to do is figure out what company that user works for, hopefully, right? Um, we can't do that every time, but as often as we can, as accurately as we can, figure out, you know, that that user works for Acme Corporation. Yeah. So if we've done that, that's step one. And, and step two is we're extracting topics and concepts from that page. So if we say, hey, this, this, um, this page seems to be about video conferencing, collaboration solutions, et cetera we're able to associate those topics with that behavioral interaction and with Acme Corporation. Um, and then you get a little bit into kind of the Bombora specific approach, which, which we think is important. We're, the goal is to understand how much Acme Corporation normally consumes topics and concepts that are related to video conferencing, collaboration, et cetera. And if we can do that, it's the most important thing. If we can understand what's normal, um, so how often they normally consume content like that, how many unique users at Acme Corporation are normally consuming those topics and concepts, um, you know, how deeply they're engaging with those topics and concepts, et cetera. If we can figure out what's normal, then that's what allows intent data to be recognized, right? Because you can understand when there's a big spike. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, wow. Acme Corporation, they're consuming topics and concepts around video conferencing and collaboration way more than they normally do, right? Which is the key. If they're just doing it a lot, we don't really know if that's good. They might always do that a lot. Uh, it might be just something that they care about. Um, so the, un the, the key is understanding what's normal and then uh, identifying those big spikes or what we call surges uh, yeah. in interest. Yeah, um, makes me think of uh, Orange Theory. I don't, you don't happen to work out at Orange Theory, do you? Do you? I don't. Shout, shout out to Orange Theory. Free plug for you guys. So one of the things they do is, hey, it's it's the new year. People are out looking for fitness solutions. So one of the interesting mm -hmm. things that Orange Theory does uh, when you work out there is you wear a heart monitor. And as you start the class and you start your exercise program, they establish what you were saying is the baseline, which is kind of like here's your base level. So as they're you know coaching you and working through your workout, they start, um, you start move up. And when you get in the orange zone, uh, you're at a certain kind of like peak performance. It's, it's where your target heart rate is supposed to be for maximizing your fat burning and, and caloric content. So I think for you to say like, you know, people may be always researching or learning or reading about different stuff, and that's their baseline. But you're able to tell right. and report on when, I use the word surging, which I think is the name of, of, of uh, one of your solutions. You know, it's, it's they're now surging on this topic. And so let's go back to that. Let's let's use an example like uh, ZDNet or CNET or Bloomberg or or Inc. You know, all these all these media sites have tons of great content and your cookie, right, if I understand it correctly, uh, is 
on the website. And while that visitor is there, you're discerning the IP address, associating it with the company as best you can. And then you're using what sounds like natural language to scrape and take a look at the content of that page and say, okay, this is what they're reading about. These are the topics and subject matter that's on here. Let's collect it. Let's put it in our database and then make that uh, information or intent information about this, this company. Do you aggregate it across multiple people? So if there's several people from Acme Corporation, is it scored or done algorithmically to show that there's even a greater surge because it's more than one person not not asking Correct. for the actual formula but I, I would imagine that plays a role because it's not just one yeah. person there it's multiple people yeah that's a big thing there's actually four uh tenants in in the surge model uh and one the first one is like the most obvious right it's just the number of times uh the employees at a company uh interact with a topic right so they normally interact with a topic a thousand times in a, in a week and then it jumps up to 1,500, that's kind of the first simplest measure of surge. Uh, the second tenant is exactly what you're saying, the number of unique users, right? Because every user has a unique Bumbora cookie ID. So if we see a bunch of new, unique Bumbora cookie IDs, that means those topics and concepts are now being researched by more people than normal. So that's, that's another important tenant. Um, the third is maybe the toughest to explain, it's the average relevancy of a particular topic inside of these interactions. Um, so if you know these users consume the topic video conferencing, but usually it's kind of tangential inside of an article, yep. uh, it's just not front and center. But now we can measure um, when video conferencing becomes more the focus of the articles when they come across that topic, we can see it kind of rising in prevalence. Uh, then that's, that's another tenant of the model. And then the fourth is the potentially creepiest is um, engagement metrics like scroll velocity and dwell time. Uh, so if when uh, these employees are consuming video conferencing, if on average they're dwelling uh, longer on those articles and scrolling slower, then we know that their interest or their likelihood of consumption has gone way up. Um, it turns out like 20% of all of these interactions are milliseconds. So we, we throw them out. Um, this is kind of an important aside, uh, yeah. uh, but, but yeah, if we see that their interest, their engagement with these articles are going up, that's another thing that'll move the surge model. Maybe, maybe more than you bargained for from a methodology standpoint, but those are the four factors that go into the model. I got a question for you as it relates to that, cause I, I was trying to like picture the algorithms when, when you're on a page as a visitor, I know a lot of the media sites do this these days and you start reading an article and you scroll down. There's like an interstitial or something in the middle of the page that you then kind of have to go past and go deeper into the article. Does that type of behavior factor into what you're saying, or is that them just trying to upsell, cross-sell a piece of content or service during that? Because clearly if I scroll below that first page, I'm showing much more engagement in the content. Yeah, yeah, you definitely are into like the, the technical weeds here, which is cool. Um, <laughs> we're, we're extracting the content um, from from the page, which is text, right? So we'll have a we'll have a, a content extractor that is actually pulling text off of that page and storing it on our side. So if it's like a graphic or an interstitial or a, an image, we won't we won't pull that image in. We're we're just trying to uh, uh, grab text, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, Mike, I I said up front, I I build and race drones. I mean, I'm 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 as geeky as they get. That that's my alter ego. Is I I love. 
I just love the know-how of, of how this stuff works. Let's switch, though, to the application of the technology, because you guys really have two primary customers or recipients for this, right? You have, you know, companies, um, well, like Salesforce and Marketo and Uberflip, you know, people who want to take the capabilities that you have and bring it into their products to help the customers that they're selling to. But the majority of your customers are, you know, more the the marketing users, right? The the people who want to leverage your technology to do better better marketing. I imagine that's that's the bigger audience. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and those two that you're describing are really kind of integration partners or um, channel partners on one side. Um, that's part of the, right, as a pure data business, our goal is to have the data activated in as many places as possible so that customers can see value from it. Um, so that means partnering with like 56 uh, integration or channel partners like Salesforce, Marketo, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Discover Org. Lattice engines, lead space, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, like it, we look at the companies in our addressable market, we say, okay, where do they live? What are the technologies they use, and how do we get our data in there? Um, so yeah, you're right. One big constituent is like kind of the partners, uh, and then on the customer side, we're working with you know most of the larger B two B technology companies, um, some of the bigger finance companies, and then like healthcare, broad business services, et cetera. So hopefully the more sophisticated uh, B2B marketers. So when they, let's let's talk about the B2B marketers. When they become a Bambora customer, what is it that you're providing uh, to them? And, and who is the person in marketing that you're typically engaging with? Yeah, so I'd say it, it's always a mix, right? Because we're, the data gets used on all kind of three levels. Uh, we boil it down typically to sales tech, martech, and ad tech. Uh, it's much too simplified, but it's kind of um, an easy way to think about things. Yeah. Um, and, and the surge data that we're talking about gets deployed across all three in a perfect world, right? So if we go back to the example and we say that we have, let's say we have 100 companies that we know are really, really interested in video conferencing, Ideally, in a go-to-market motion, you know, the top 10 companies are getting phone calls, all 100 companies are getting emails, and then certainly if you're already spending money up at the top of the funnel, those 100 companies are getting, you know, LinkedIn messaging, Facebook messaging, they're being targeted with, with display advertising, et cetera. So, you know, where we start is really kind of the, uh, maybe the better question, right? Because sometimes... Um, it could be with a sales ops or inside sales leader. Sometimes it could be with a VP of demand gen. It just kind of depends uh, in, in terms of where we land and, and where it's like the lowest hanging fruit for using the data. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point, which is that, you know, your solution can be used in different, different um, capabilities. Um, you know, we've seen our clients use, for example, uh, the platform for when they're doing paid outreach, you know, and they're advertising, right, on LinkedIn or Facebook or sites, and they're saying, hey, listen, I spent a lot of money on uh, online advertising, and I really want my dollar to be as efficient as possible. So rather than them, you know, y- you don't like batch and blast email marketing, right? We don't want to do batch and blast uh, online advertising if we don't have to, right? If we can target ads to the companies that are, you know, in- interested in, uh, and surging in those areas, then then our our dollars are more efficient, right? So that's sure. I guess as you were saying, that's kind of one audience. Then you've got you know inside sales, 
right? As uh, consuming some some Bambora goodness, and then you know better email marketing. Why right? why not send emails to people that are interested in particular topics or surging in areas? Uh, would you would you say? I mean, because that's what we see in our clients. Would you say that those are the three primary, or are there other applications as well? Yeah, those are. I'd say those are the primary. Um, there are certainly other applications. So think about like a broader account executive type use case, you know, where, you know, they may only care about 20 to 100 accounts. So for them, prioritization is a little less important and it becomes more of an account intelligence um, benefit, right? So if I'm a big multi-product company and I could could talk to Boeing about anything, you know, they might look at intent data to say like, hey, what is my talk track? What do they care a lot about right now? Um, And then there's content creation. Right. So I, I want to be able to write um, content that um, is touching on topics that are relevant and they're growing in popularity. So I look at intent data to say, hey, what should I write about? Um, but the, the biggest kind of juiciest right out of the gate use cases are, yeah, inside sales, um, optimizing paid activities and email marketing. Yeah. On the on the inside sales side, you guys have an integration to uh, Marketo, correct? Yeah. And uh, Marketo is the one that, yep. What, any other platforms as well on the marketing automation size? Uh, Marketo only in terms of marketing automation. In an inside sales use case, we're also piping to those teams through Salesforce or yeah. Discover Org is another good one. But, but yeah, Marketo is a, a really kind of elegant marketing automation uh, integration. Cool. So, so from a solution perspective, if you wanted to you know, engage inside sales or SDR team, and uh, you, right, you could set up tasks. In Salesforce, you could you could activate tasks, you could um, set up triggers based on surge activity, and you know even choose to route things to sales um, call now triggers things like that. So, I think it's you know when I see technologies like Bambora, which you know with great power right comes great responsibility. Uh, shout out Spider Man. Uh, you know it's <laughs> it's one of those things where you have to think of the recipes of how you can apply some of this to your business. And I you know we mentioned. You know, email targeting, right? Which you could just de- de- define a particular segment in Marketo and say, "Hey, look, if you're a member of this segment uh, and, and create a dynamic segment, then go ahead and send this communication and trigger off of that." Um, but you know, I don't know if people necessarily would think of doing some of the inside sales triggers and notifications for when there's certain activities at certain companies. Very relevant too for ABM and account scoring, right? So you could affect your account scores based on companies that are surging. So a lot, lot, you know, it's, 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 as I said, you know, it's worth breaking down what this all is because if it was mainstream, uh, everybody would know how to use it and everybody would be using it if it's relevant to their, their business. Why, why do you find, uh, Mike, to kind of just go the opposite direction, why don't people either yet use Bambora or if they're in a sales cycle with you guys, what, What's a hurdle for them? Is it is it? Yeah. What when are they not right or just not moving down sure. the path? Because sometimes that reveals either a resourcing issue or an education issue or just just application fit. Yeah, I think the main thing is that it's still just extremely early. We we talked about this right at the top, like before this behavioral intent data existed, but it existed in these very very small little silos. Right. Like you had the, the data just from your own website and then there were individual publishers or individual media companies that all had their own individual flavors of intent data. 
Um, so having it at scale in one place in a way that can be deployed, like we're talking about across all of the use cases is new, right? So we kind of like cut the market a break. We're still in like the first inning of, of this being available and people figuring out how to use it and sharing best practices. And we just see a lot of organic growth in this regard, just from our customer base, just yeah. talking to each other and collaborating. My first exposure was maybe like five, six years ago when I started looking at DMPs. And, you know, those platforms yeah. and what they were doing. And I was like, wow, how do you get that information? I was talking to Oracle and other DMP providers and, and wanting to really understand how that came to be. So that was really the technology within another application. But you guys have brought it forward as its own uh, so- solution. That's that's the newer part, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's right. The other thing that I would say is um, a challenge, and I guess some practical advice maybe, is separating the signal itself. So the ability to identify that 15% of an addressable market that has some intent, um, like separating that, that the signal itself as a standalone kind of characteristic to be evaluated on its own from the services and platforms that get wrapped around that signal. And, and I think one of the things that's happening in the market is, you know, if providers are providing services or, kind of benefits and features around the signal, then those services are getting wrapped up with the signal. Um, and it can be, um, it, it can kind of distort, um, you know, the market's view of, of the importance of the signal itself. So I guess long way of saying like, I would separate, hey, can, can a vendor help me identify the 15% that really cares and separate that from like, how am I gonna activate this data once I have that signal, if, if that makes sense. Well, that leads me to when you say, how are we going to activate it? Um, sales and marketing alignment, right? Like the people always talk about aligning sales and marketing. And, and when you and I have talked, we said, you know, one of the things like align around what? And the what is just right. right in SLA or at least some agreement that says, hey, companies that are surging in interest in these areas, let's agree with how we're going to do outreach or follow up or engagement uh, for these companies. So I, th- I do think it provides a way for sales and marketing to talk to each other about, look, you don't, you don't want a bunch of crappy leads. We know that. And we can score leads these days, right? And, and prioritize based on individuals' engagement level and individuals' interest yep. level. But now we can also show you at a company level when companies are surging and showing interest in our products and services. So let's talk about how we're going to follow up and engage with them when they do. A hundred percent. And one of the more exciting things is watching the inside sales use case be successful because then the alignment is such that um, on the marketing side, there's just much, much less scrutiny on everything they're doing. Right. So if you think about an inside sales team is calling these surging companies and they say, yeah, these are better. This is a better outbound approach. I'm getting more opportunities. They're warmer leads, et cetera. Now on the marketing side, it's like, I just got to drive leads from surging companies. I got to send emails and get hand raisers from surging companies. And the salespeople are already bought into that signal. And now they're keying off of the same signal. And there's, there's some cool kind of kumbaya that comes with that. Because yeah. um, I, I think that's right. We, it's like you hear that all the time. Sales and marketing have to align. But it, it's, you kind of need, need something to align around. You guys have a cool tool on your website, uh, which I had fun with the other day when we were uh, catching up and talking about doing the podcast, um, where people can type in topics and actually see what companies are 
interested in those topics. So I guess for anyone, if you want to kind of, you know, experiment with the technology and, and take a look, you can certainly go to bumbora.com and check that out. I, I don't know. I thought that was, uh, that was clever how you guys are doing that. It's, it's pretty good. I'll tell you, it's funny you bring that up. We're right in the middle of bringing kind of like the, the 2.0 or we're joking, we're skipping to 10.0. Okay. So people will be able to upload their account list and we'll start delivering them on a weekly basis, just a handful of like, I don't know, we haven't figured it out, maybe the top three or four surgeon companies from their list. Because what we realized is that the, the downside of it is you put in the topics you care about, but the companies that come, by, come back might be very random because yeah. it's just all the companies we track. So, so we're going to be upgrading that quite a bit to give out more value uh, before you even have to talk to us. And then we're, we're also exploring a bunch of other kind of freemium channels through a lot of our partners. Um, so, so one of the strategies going forward is just to like, hey, let's, let's show people that this data is powerful uh, faster. Um, so look out for, for more of that. Cool. Very cool. And I would, you know, again, encourage you guys, uh, if you're out there in marketing and you haven't checked out uh, the aspects and solutions around intent, um, give Bambora a look-see. There aren't too many companies in in the space that are delivering. You guys are uh, consistent uh, among our client base um, that are that are using solutions like this, and it's been fun for the two companies to get to know each other over the last year and, and help some of our mutual clients uh, with the use and adoption. Because like I said, I mean, you can get the data, uh, you can have the solution, but but activating and, and taking action on the data, uh, whether that's in Marketo or Salesforce and in those different applications, that's where the real real power is. But very cool. Anything uh, before we wrap up? Anything uh, big news coming or anything in in 2019 that we're we're, we're kind of looking uh, in the past and and where the current state of things are? Anything we should know about that's going to happen in 2019? We should keep an eye out for. Besides this update to the yeah, website, think- this capability. Yeah, I stole, I stole my own thunder there a little bit. I think those are the, we're focused on just delivering more value faster. So some, some, you know, more, a better freemium solution through the website is one thing, and I won't, won't reveal it now, but there's a couple other freemium channels through big, big um, platforms that everybody uses um, oh. that, that we think will help people get intent data faster and see value in it right away. All right, cool. Well, Mike, thank you for joining me on the program today. And to everybody listening, thank you for tuning in so regularly I know in the last several episodes, um, periodically, I ask you guys to reach out and let me know when you have, uh, when you're enjoying the program, what content you'd like to hear more of or less of. And for those of you that do that, I really appreciate it. Appreciate the feedback. Um, just, just to do a little chest beating, and, and it's all thank you to you. Uh, Dimension Radio really took off in 2018. You know, I started the program in 2017. I don't know if I was early to podcasting. I don't think so, but maybe in this market, but. When I started, you know, bringing more programs to you on a weekly basis, the the program just really took off. So keep sharing uh, news of the program with your teams, and feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and suggest topics. I mean, Mike, it's funny you said, uh, you know, you've been you've been a listener to the program, and now you're actually a guest on the program. And as I said in a previous episode, it's funny how many people say to me like. Well, I reached out to you and talked about being on the program, and and here I am. I really didn't think that was going to happen, and so I don't understand, Mike, why? Because I'm always, especially to our partners, I'm always looking for folks uh, that want to share about what they're doing with their products and services and evolving. But I'm also looking for CMOs and VPs of marketing and uh, really anyone out there who wants to share their recipes for success. So if you've been 
crushing it or even struggling with stuff. People love to hear stories about some of the challenges you have and how you're overcoming them or working on overcoming them. Feel free to reach out to me and uh, let's see if it makes sense to put you on the program in 2019. But uh, last year w- was was great. And it's funny, Mike, a lot of people have been reaching out to me because they're looking to start up podcasts in their own marketing mix and asking, hey, Dave, what microphones do you use and what technology do you use and what software do you use? So I, have, uh, I did a podcast actually last year, which was, should you do a podcast too? So if you've been thinking about it, go back and listen to that episode. And there's some great insights there on how to get started in podcasting because it is a wonderful format unless you have a cold like I did for a couple of weeks, which I think you can all still hear. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, great, great format to consider for your marketing mix. Thanks again, Mike. Give my best uh, to the team. I know we've uh, both got some events coming up. It's starting event season again, so we will see each other. In fact, if any of you are looking for events uh, to go to, go to the B2BMX conference in February that is taking place in Arizona. I will be there. I'm even doing a keynote uh, and a workshop there. So hope to see you there. Let me know if you're going to be going. And uh, Mike, anything else? What, what's uh, what's on your dance card? Where are you going to be coming up this quarter? Yeah, I'll be on the, the show circuit as well. Hope to be in Arizona for the the B two B M X show again, and then you know the the platform event shortly after that. So I'll. I'll see you on the circuit for sure. Awesome. Yeah, we got one less event this year, kind of. Like, uh, bad news is uh, we don't have to go to the, or we're not going to the Marketo Summit in Las Vegas later this year. Good news, we're going to the Marketo Summit right. earlier this year, right? Because uh, Marketo announced that they are folding in the Marketo Summit into the Adobe Summit, which uh, is now in March. So instead of um, having a separate show, they have consolidated those uh, together. And so um, I'm sure that's a last-minute crunch for a lot of people that were either not planning on going to Adobe's conference or for the vendors that were looking to uh, exhibit there. They've got to they've got to do some quick pivots and bring that in uh, a couple quarters. Yeah, it's one less for me for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I that's that's the most fun of my uh, role is just being out there and getting to meet so many people. People who either listen to Demand Gen Radio or clients of ours or um, ideally future clients. It's a great. Uh, and I and I love doing the workshop. So again, if anybody uh, hasn't checked out B two B M X, search for that uh, and hope to see you in in Arizona in a few weeks next month. That's going to do it for this episode, Mike. Thank you again, uh, and to all of you listening in, we'll catch you on the next program. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.